0: Hello and welcome to Hoops Hour, hosted by Hoops Hour. This is a basketball show, podcast, everything in between, whatever you want it to be. Uh, This is episode 8. Uh, it's Thursday, February 15th, uh, that we're recording this to, you know, get out on the Friday as always. I hope you're all doing well. I'm doing pretty well myself. It's a nice 66 degree sunny day. Got to unfortunately keep the windows closed for, uh, noise purposes when recording. But as soon as we're done with this episode, the windows are getting cranked open. The fresh air will be let in and, uh, and the nice, not really spring vibes will, will be coming through. So that's nice. I hope you're all doing well. And, um, without too much dilly-dallying, let's, uh, let's just get into some, some stuff. I've got really only like one main segment for this episode and then a bunch of just like little random things. I spent the past week writing like five or six segments, but I just didn't know where to put them all. And so this one might be on the like kind of thinner side of an episode, but I'm just sort of trying to like plan ahead and, whatever we'll talk about it more so towards the end of the episode and uh i'll I'll clue some of you in uh for whoever's interested into the uh my my vision for the uh next few and how I want to do things but whatever anyways uh let's let's talk about the super Bowl real quickly um might as well you know once in a year event so uh figure it's i figured it'd be all right to um to bring up and just, you know, talk about it for a little bit, give my thoughts, uh, even though this is, you know, hoops hour, but for right now it's 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 bowl hour. It's Super Bowl hour. Um so I thought it was a pretty fun game. I thought it was really cool that I went to overtime. Very few uh like NFL playoff games or um Super Bowl games specifically have ever gone to overtime. But I don't remember exactly what the stat was, but I thought that was cool and if you're ever neutrally watching a game, at least for me, I'm always like, yeah, go as long as possible, score as much as possible. I want to see it all. If if I really have no skin in the game, like I don't with really any football, because I I'm I don't know. This was this was probably the first game that I watched like really straight from start to finish actually watching um and paying attention because it's not like a super bowl party and i'm like doing other things and it's sort of just there in the background this time i was actually watching it i was trying to like pick up how the flow of the game goes um and it was probably the first football game that i've ever actually like watched from start to end so uh nice chiefs comeback uh that was that was pretty cool pat mahomes man pat mahomes what can you do uh he's He's on his own level and it has his own GOAT trajectory that he's trying to pass. So, uh, sorry, Brock Purdy, but, you know, try again when uh, when a guy going for a GOAT case uh, isn't actively doing that. Um, but, no, nah, I mean, both teams seemed really, really good. Um, I know a lot of people didn't want the Chiefs in it for whatever reason. They were the reigning champs, Taylor Swift, et cetera, et cetera. But I thought it was a hell of a game, and it was pretty physical, too. Um, so I feel like the chiefs, the chiefs won it. They, they earned it. Um, but a drama though, uh, the, the, uh, no, sorry, the 49ers, they fired their defensive coordinator after this game. And it just sucks that like, after you lose in the playoffs, someone has to get fired. It feels, and that's like a universal, uh, re- like reality, um, across sports, um, And it it very seldom is, like, actually maybe the person who should get fired. Um, I felt like, and again... I don't really know football so I'm just kind of yapping here feel free to correct me but it felt like the 49ers defense was not the problem they were pretty suffocating to the Chiefs in the first half and, and and held them scoreless in that first quarter um I didn't feel like they were the problem I thought some of you know the the play calling on offense led to some to some hiccups and some slips that ended up in the Chiefs advantage but just my uh just from what I saw that's what I took but very cool um third ring they're going for the three p which that would okay that would be pretty sick i'm not gonna lie a three p would be kind of crazy but anyways congratulations to the chiefs uh so sorry 49ers you know i know y'all will will pick yourselves up and and probably be back to like a conference finals if not a super bowl again because i know the the 49ers have been a pretty competitive team for the past few years anyway so yeah Super Bowl done, and um, and let's get to some hoops, shall we? So the first thing I want to talk about, this actually happened, a classic case, again, of news coming out a few hours after I finish um, recording an episode, and then I like have to just sit on it for like six full days or whatever, um, and... <clears throat> OG Ananobi, next forward, if you aren't familiar, OG Ananobi had surgery to remove a loose bone fragment in his right elbow and will miss a minimum of three weeks. So obviously with this being a week ago, that leaves, um, like the rest of February, essentially that OG will be out at least, uh, procedure is considered minor and is expected to resume basketball activities in three weeks. Yes. As I said, um, so it's shitty, you know, but it's not the end of the world, I don't think. But definitely, it hurts. <clears throat> With the impact we've seen OG and Anobi immediately have on the Knicks since being traded, it definitely hurts to to have your like near defensive Player of the Year perimeter defender just he's out. And uh, Tibbs, man, Coach Tibbs, you gotta you gotta stop grinding these dudes' bones into fucking dust, all right? Because I mean, I, I know it's kind of deceptive because his overall, he's averaging like 36, 37 minutes in the 14, 15 games that he's played with New York so far, OG. But um, many many of those games were 43, 44 minutes, back-to-back 40-plus minutes um, like he does. And you can't help but hold your breath as a Knicks fan because when players are out, possibly because they were getting overworked, but we'll put that conversation to the side for a second. It only leaves so many players, which means they got to play even more, which could just end up exacerbating the problem. But we'll hope not. I kind of – I'm kind of clenched every time uh, it's really just like a Jalen Brunson and role players lineup out there because I'm like, please don't get hurt, Jalen. Please don't get hurt. Like I I, I physically can't like deal with this if that was to happen. But, uh, yeah, as I said, the Knicks are down quite a few dudes. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo himself is um, – is uh day to day, but he's been playing. OG Ananobi's out, Isaiah Hardenstein's still out. Um, Bojan Bogdanovich, who has not been very good since the trade, and Alec Burks, I was right about you. Um, he's been kind of day to day, and uh, and Julius Randle, of course, is out. So, yeah, it sucks. The Knicks are quite hobbled at the moment, and the real hope is that this just doesn't rock the ship too much, and we should be okay in the end. Still the fourth seed. Still ninth in offensive rating, 8th in defensive rating, and, you know, top 10 of both is obviously a sign of a very competitive, um, possibly even contender team. Uh, The Knicks are 6th in net rating. Uh, We were top 3, like, less than a week ago, but obviously with so many people out. And unfortunately, catching, like, 3 L's in a row, uh, that doesn't help any of your advanced stat ratings, but, yeah. A quick shout-out I do want to give to Dante DiVincenzo, though, um, who has been... Uh, in and out but he's been playing and over the past now granted this was this was a tweet from february 9th uh and courtesy of nba university so shout out nba university um got my doctorate from there and uh over his last five games from february 9th dante Divincenzo vincenzo was averaging 29.4 points per game on 61.8 uh, true shooting percentage, 41, uh, 44.1%, three point percentage, four rebounds, 3.8 assists, 1.8 steals. He has been absolutely killing it. Um, especially, I don't think anybody has stepped up more than Dante DiVincenzo since the Knicks have been, um, so undermanned. So shout out to him. Uh, black history month, Dante DiVincenzo just hits a little different, I suppose. And, uh, no complaints from me. Uh, also, last thing I'll say about the Knicks is a little fun fact for anybody who is uh, who likes fun facts, I suppose. Uh, Jalen Brunson is fourth in total points in the NBA through week 16 uh, of this season. Um, so that's sick. Obviously, combined with uh, that sheer consistency and level of production, the dude's just so big time. All these really clutch buckets in games. If you're watching the Rockets game... Uh, I'm going to try not to talk about it too much, but he had such, such a tough basket uh, and it makes what ended up happening uh, all the more depressing because that really clutch um, pull up midy that he hit would have been to send the game to overtime. Unfortunately, we got a horrific uh, call on a no call or what should have been a no call, uh, which ended up giving free throws with 0.3 seconds or whatever remaining and the Rockets won not going to talk about it too much officiating can be horrible sometimes and the big problem is not that officiating can be horrible sometimes it's the fact that they literally have this level of immunity that gets players fined tens of thousands of dollars when they even complain about it okay i'm off my soapbox just wanted to put that out there um a little piece of news out of memphis uh this was again Something that got announced like a couple hours or the day after I filmed last episode, but Memphis Grizzlies forward guard Gigi Jackson has agreed on a four year contract, including three guaranteed seasons. Sources tell ESPN. Um, this dude was drafted 45th overall last uh, in, in this past draft and was signed to a two way contract. Uh, I like this dude a lot. You know, he's been really good and promising for the Grizzlies. He's the youngest player in the league. And in their game against the Knicks, which was on February sixth, he spearheaded a, a nearly successful comeback. It was we the Knicks had been overwhelmingly up uh, the entirety of the game through three quarters, like borderline not even worth watching, up twenty the whole time. Um, and he really made that game scary. He he was hitting very clutch buckets. He's extremely athletic. Um, he's he's big, he's like six nine, two ten. He shoots basically thirty-eight percent from three as a rookie. He's got the ball handling, he can score. Very high upside to him. Uh him and Vince Williams Jr., uh I really like those two on the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh I think they're definitely worth keeping an eye on and um even worth just like watching Grizzlies games. Obviously, not a lot of guys on the Grizzlies right now. Um, you can really project like what they'll be in a few years because they might not even be playing in the league, let alone having developed into some like good contributor for a competitive team. But those two, Gigi Jackson and Vince Williams Jr., they they have a lot of potential for sure. Um another uh quick like follow-up trade deadline story thing here as we know the Mavs moved on from Grant Williams it was a Grant Williams Seth Curry and two top uh two top two protected sorry and a top two protected 2027 first round pick to the Hornets for PJ Washington and a pair of second round picks um I think I talked about this as like, hey, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you gotta move on from a guy, and PJ Washington is pretty cool and has some upside, so I thought that was a pretty decent trade for the Mavs. Um He reportedly did not fit well within the organization of the Mavericks, this being Grant Williams. Um no one was really rocking with him, it seemed. Uh which again, if if it if that is the case, then you you kinda just gotta uh, rip off the band-aid. A similar thing in uh Milwaukee. Adrian Griffin lost the locker room. Yeah, he's got to go. You know, uh, we can talk about how questionable his replacement was, but I understand the urgency to get rid of a uh, a a player, a coach, whatever it is, when it seems like it's an irreparable uh, like chemistry kind of thing. It's just it's just not working. It's not a good fit. Um, and this was per uh, ESPN's T- Tim uh, McMahon. I think that's how you pronounce it, McMahon. That. Last name has always been kind of weird to me, Um, but Tim McMahon, uh, this was reported yesterday on Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to all you lovers out there Um, and to those who are not, Um, but per ESPN's Tim McMahon, uh, people within the Dallas Mavericks were turned off by by Grant Williams, and get this, yapping, and he was reportedly not in good shape. This is in quotes from said person within the Mavericks organization, I would say one of the ways that Grant Williams rubbed people the wrong way, the yap, yap, yapping. Obviously that's kind of part of it with him, which is charmingly obnoxious if he's productive and it's grating when he's not. But he didn't report in good shape and Grant Williams not in good shape is not a good defender. And obviously Grant Williams being a 3 and D guy if if that if that D ain't there pause you know, he's kind of just out there for cardio and some spot-up threes, which ultimately you can get that from someone else who's then maybe actually going to lock up. So quite a damning indictment of Grant Williams. However, don't think it's the end of the world. And, you know, it's fair to say the Charlotte Hornets are 3-0 and in the Grant Williams era. So positive trade for everybody on uh, on both sides. Love when a deal works out like that. Quickly, I wanted to shout out DeMontis Sabonis and the Kings for really no reason other than I saw a cool fact about it and I feel like just I don't know if people have been giving uh DeMontis Sabonis love this season uh the the Kings have slipped to the 8th seed as of right now that because of uh the Mavs the Pelicans and the Suns all being on multiple game win streaks right now um but they're still very much competitive and in the mix I mean the West is an absolute bloodbath and uh and so I don't you know Don't just look at the 8th seed. They've been a good team uh, over the course of the season. Uh, And DeMontis Sabonis himself has recorded a double-double in 36. It might be 37 now. Straight games, which is pretty crazy. And he also leads the uh, NBA in triple-doubles with 18. So, shout-out to DeMontis Sabonis. Shout-out De'Aaron Fox as well. I mean, I I know I talked about these guys as all-star snubs uh, last episode, but wanted to shout-out that fun fact. And uh, shout-out to the Kings. So, yeah. Speaking of all-star snubs and the all-star game, all-star break, um, we've basically arrived tonight, uh, this being Thursday, of course, uh, are the last set of games before all-star break really hits. Um, Tonight, for anybody curious, it will have already happened, but you have Bucks, Grizzlies, Warriors, Jazz, and Wolves Blazers, all absolute heaters, as you can tell. Um, But so, yeah, we, we have the... Uh, last games tonight and then we have the all-star game on Sunday February 18th uh, and then a return to action on the following Tuesday February uh, 22nd so I'm very I think I've never felt like an all-star break is hitting at the right time more so than right now Um, and I think it's going to be really good for just the entire league really to get some rest a lot of teams really need it Um, and I don't want injury riddled teams hobbling their way into the playoffs that's no fun for anybody, um, at least the way I see it. I I you know, I wanna beat a team that's healthy if if even if it's facing my team, uh kind of thing. Um, just kidding. If the Knicks had a had a path to the finals and it was facing a bunch of injured teams, I would not complain. But you know what I mean. For the sake of basketball, for the sake of the best possible product, you want teams to be healthy and it makes just things all the more exciting. So uh yeah very happy that uh all-star break is about to hit and uh, i think it's gonna be good for the league they need some rest all right so moving on to basically the one main segment for this episode uh there's there's a team that's that's quite frankly pissing me off and we need to talk about them all right so we had a busy trade deadline uh as always um wasn't the craziest per se especially in comparison to like last year but I mean, what do you want, Katie and Kyrie to get traded every single year? Um, it was though, uh, very hectic and still extremely impactful on the landscape of the league. Just, you know, sort of going forward for the next few seasons and whatnot, or at least for the remainder of this one. Um, but there's one team in particular that we just need to talk about. All right. They characteristically, as they've made it their character in the past few years, did not move on from any of their players, their stars, uh, despite not being even really remotely close to, being in a competitive position, Um, and they've been this way, they've been doing this, uh, if not for three years straight up, then almost three years now, Um, and that is the Chicago Bulls, so a lot of people were talking about this when they saw it, it was an article that came out just after the deadline passed, Uh, this came courtesy of Julia Poe, a Bulls reporter for the Chicago Tribune. Um, the Chicago Bulls have not made a trade for a player since August 2021, alright, so they've made one trade in that time span since then, and that ranks the dead last 30th in the league. Worse than just that, the 29th team in this regard that would still be considered to have done barely anything in this time frame has made seven trades, alright, so the Bulls have just done absolutely nothing in the past few years, August 2021 is, I mean, my brain can't even comprehend that, I was, I was a different human being in August 2021, and yet the Bulls are the exact same team they've been since then, Um, and this prompted, as you can imagine, just collective outrage among the NBA community. I guess less so outrage uh, from the collective, more so like a, what are you guys doing? And then outrage from the Bulls fans who just can't take the abuse that this franchise has put them under over the past few years. Um, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you, if you you know are really about the NBA like YouTube content and you like that stuff, uh, at least know of Kenny Beecham, uh, King of the Fourth Quarter. He made a video and he's a long-term Bulls fan. I don't really know how long, but he's a long-term Bulls fan. And probably the biggest like publicly like online personality that is a Bulls fan. Hell, bro made it to nationally like network television. He's talked to like Stephen A on TV, things like that. He's big. And he made a 11 and a half 12 minute video um just airing out his frustrations with the team, the front office, the everything about it's um the Bulls lack of inaction and it was quite a uh it was quite a damning uh uh statement about the bulls considering you know um yeah this is just one fan's reaction sure but as for for whatever you know for however anecdotal this may sound it takes a lot to get a diehard fan to to that kind of point where they feel so just betrayed that you know things that they would never complain about it's just like no nope, gloves are off Everything's on the table. I'm calling you out kind of way. Um, Rusty Buckets is another uh, pretty prominent uh, basketball content creator on YouTube. Um, He had made uh, some some tweets, maybe even said in a video that um, if the Bulls don't do anything by like uh, in the offseason or something like that, he's going to uh, like officially no longer be a bulls fan or like take a sabbatical from being a bulls fan until they make some moves so you've got some long, you know some of the most die hard I bleed bulls red kind of people um who are who are really getting on the verge of just being out on this whole franchise or whatever project they're running as of right now and i think that says a lot i think that says a lot they you know they might just be fans or whatever but that's, that's who you're doing this for. So I think it, it would make sense to take their consideration uh, into consideration, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really weird situation because they've got, they've got players that absolutely have value and they tried, they tried, they put something together that looked pretty exciting three years ago in 2021, uh, but it didn't work. It didn't work. Now through, Outside factors, obviously, the Lonzo Ball injury, and to this point, he is still yet to make a return to the NBA. Um, that was uh, huge. That was devastating. The Bulls looked pretty exciting and promising in that first half of the first season together. But ultimately, uh, you spend too long focusing on that first half season that they had three years ago and you end up letting the sort of nostalgia filter take over and go, Well, hang on, we were probably not a perfect basketball team even then. And they weren't. Um and I think that's pretty indicative of the um of the fact or is uh you can really see that in the fact that the Bulls have not just been like worse without him since then. Uh they've just like they're just not really a competitive basketball team in the Eastern Conference and they haven't been. Um, and so they've, they've just sort of refused to accept that reality. They've, they've ran it to the play-ins and playoffs, um, without benefit, um, or without success, I should say. Um, and have just refused to accept the reality of what is and move on to their own benefit. So, uh, and in this time period, I think it's important to note they've missed out on quite a lot. All right. So the trade that they made for, uh, for Nikola Vucevic. They traded Wendell Carter Jr. and the pick that became Franz Wagner, and Franz Wagner is a very good NBA player, um, for Nikola Vucevic, who's never been a dominant player or really a difference maker. Um, he's certainly held this team afloat, uh, on multiple times. I don't want to shit on Vucevic too much, uh, but he, he's, he's never been like a, a real game changer for them. Vucevic is kind of one of those guys where, and in a sense, you can say this about the entire Bulls roster, where it's a good player whose image is actually being negatively impacted by how poor the situation in Chicago is, and they're being made to do more than realistically they should, and they then unsurprisingly do not succeed in those capacities and end up looking worse for it when really they just shouldn't have been put in a position to do all those extra things I think that's applicable to Nikola Vucevic to Zach Levine to DeMar DeRozan Um, you know across the board they've got guys just doing too much because they don't have enough Um, and so they traded away Wendell Carter Jr. who arguably you could say if it was just a one-for-one Wendell Carter Jr. even has more value than Nikola Vucevic at that point, but especially when you add in a pick that became Franz Wagner, um, that's that's a whole a hell of a lot of value you ended up missing on for a guy that hasn't really done anything for you, um, to his you know uh negative credit a little bit, but also as I just mentioned, um, yeah, they also missed an opportunity last uh last season to trade Demar um and really older players, but they still didn't move on from him, and DeMar DeRozan, turning 35 this year, not much of a three-point shooter, and me saying that is being generous, and he will continue to likely fall off as the hill, his his mid-range, which, you know, I've talked about this in abundance, but mathematically, a pull-up mid-range jump shot is something you've got to be hitting at an elite efficiency or rate to even be Uh, worth keeping in the sort of shot diet in today's NBA there's just way more value and bang for your buck in three-pointers and good looks around the rim and things like that Um, and so DeMar DeRozan's defining aspect of his game that being his mid-range shots He's going to get to a point where even if he's good at them, it's not elite and teams are just not going to want to uh, invest in him because it's like you're not even hitting these at an elite rate anymore. You're just sort of like average and these shots have just been sort of phased out. So, eh. So, yeah, they didn't move on from him, and he's just going to continue to drop off likely. And the same, basically, for Zach Levine. He's turning 29 this year. That's obviously better, but turning 29 this year on the precipice of being 30. Not a three-point shooter as well. Not much of a playmaker. Cannot defend for shit, really. Uh, They should have moved on from him last year when his value was much, much higher, and he was averaging Twenty five, five and five, basically. Um, Zach Levine was an All Star in twenty twenty one, I believe. Um, and yet, uh, and yet, they just held on and kind of have this notion that he's still that guy, uh, you know, all this time later and in the right circumstance I think he could thrive and look like this promising player again but you have relied on him when healthy to essentially run your entire team and that is not Zach Levine that is not Zach Levine he's had a and he's had a pretty bad uh year so far um even through and before the injury he was averaging less than 20 points per game on a near career low in efficiency um And they still didn't move on from him this trade deadline, obviously. And even if they traded him in the offseason, it would be quite far removed uh, from any positive impressions like a a team manager has of Zach Levine. Uh, They could have left uh, they, if they if they got rid of him, they could have done it at a point where his trade value was much, much higher and the notion of him, even if he had just gotten injured, if they traded him early, early in this season, right as he got injured, nobody would look at what his stats were for the first 10, 15 games of the season. You'd go back into the past two years where Zach Levine at least looked a bit better, but now you have poor production in the handful of games he played this season and then 80 percent of the season where he didn't even play and so I uh, just the the perception around Zach Levine uh his his trade value it's going to be at some of like the all-time lowest um when they eventually do pull the plug on it and finally trade him if that even ever happens. shit maybe they're like hey, you know what we're running this back we're 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 doing this core until all 45 we're going to be taking mid-range jump shots in twenty. 28 when it's totally uh still a valuable uh brand of basketball um but yeah unless they unless they decide they want to keep all these dudes as four lifers they have really you know missed uh golden opportunities multiple uh at least like solid opportunities to trade these guys and get back some real value assets that they can use going forward and yet they still want to commit you know they didn't want to trade Alex Caruso someone again who would have enormous trade value. I mean, you don't you don't look at his stats or whatever and see like this crazy guy, but everybody knows the impact Alex Caruso has particularly um defensively, obviously as one of the better best perimeter defenders, um point of attack defenders. yada uh yada yada. yada. Um but he also is a lights out from 3. He's been so clutch for the Bulls. I feel like every time I watch the Bulls uh down the stretch of a game cuz it's like close and I'm like, "Oh, let's turn this on." You know, we got Bulls versus whoever in a two-point game with, you know, three minutes left. Sounds good. Every time I do that, it feels like I watch Alex Caruso hit a really clutch, enormous, like, momentum-gathering, momentum-shifting shot. Um, And... He could really uh, that could really be used by a lot of teams. A lot of teams would probably pay a decent price tag uh, to get someone like that on their on their roster, especially if they're competing for a championship or whatnot. We've we've seen him on the Lakers. He was doing not even as well as, uh, as some of the things he's done on the Bulls. He was already doing with the Lakers and won a championship there. So, I, I it seems like a huge swing and a miss uh, again there by the Bulls management to not, uh, not get something good for him from a contender, um, and I think the ultimate kicker to the, uh, to all this Bulls drama, um, something that's a bit of a, like, knife in the, in the heart of Bulls fans, and then the twist, you know, to, to accentuate the bleeding, or whatever, the pain, uh, I think, the 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 knife and twist in the heart of this whole situation for Bulls fans is by accounts Bulls ownership was ready to enter a rebuilding phase they were getting to the point of realizing that they need to pull the plug they tried, it done, it did not worse uh work, sorry. Uh something that the average NBA fan uh could have pretty confidently told you about a year ago, but hey, whatever, you guys are earning the millions. Uh we'll we'll keep our mouth shut, I suppose. But one of the owners, someone I've talked about in a bulls video earlier in the season, back when I was still making like a video content, um Arturus Carney Sovas, hope we pronounced that right, um he was the one that basically halted that decision by ownership and said, no, I want to stay on our current course and, uh, and just hold out until we're like healthy or whatever. I'm going to pull up a couple of these articles and read through some of it. And we can really get a sense of the, uh, of what the bulls management has really been doing and, uh, what their mentality has been, particularly this individual's, um, so here we got a uh, a Fox Chicago uh, article that was written, um, I think just after, holy ads, uh, just after the trade deadline, um, literally like an hour after that 3 p.m. deadline had hit. Shout out to Chris Kaczynski, Kwi- holy mother of moly. I do not know how to pronounce that last name, but I'm sure you can find it pretty easily. Um, it's the... the Article title for fairness' sake is "There's a reason the Chicago Bulls didn't trade." Three takeaways from Arturis Karnasovas after the trade deadline as an incredibly charitable way to uh, write a title for this article. Um, but I wanted to pull up some of these things and uh, and read off a couple of these quotes from Karnasovas to just uh, illustrate uh, kind of the delusion that he has. <coughs> so he said that he did not see anything that would make us better, which. I think when you look at the Bulls, it's like I think anything might make you better, guys. I understand that there was not a like game-changing turn a team into a con- like from a good team to a contender uh, piece um, outside of maybe you can argue Pascal Siakam, but of course he was traded uh, before the deadline. But I'm sure you guys could have put an offer together. Um, it's not like he went for you know a million picks or whatever, but you know he says I didn't see anything that would make us better, and again look in a mirror you look at the the bulls and and they're sitting at uh the ninth seed well under 500 i there's not really a whole lot of a path for them to jump up the ladder um obviously a handful of teams in the eastern conference are pretty injured right now but that also kind of goes for the bulls and it's it's not like they have the talent to really seize an opportunity quite like this and go on like a 10 game winning streak and go to like a sixth, a fifth seed um He said he was looking forward to watching these players compete with 30 games left to go. A lot of positive signs he's seen during the season. And I would agree that the Bulls season definitely uh, is at a much better um, position than where it was at the start of the season. I mean, they had a... like. Detroit Pistons this season start to this season they were looking awful actually one of the first two wins that the Pistons got um before they went on their uh 28 game losing streak was against the Bulls I that was not even like a plan segue I completely forgot about that um but essentially Karnashovas just believes that the Bulls can be competitive and he's he's seen the growth in Kobe White which fair play Arcturus We all see the the growth in Kobe White, and I think he's serious business um, and is emerging as a real contributor. I don't know if he's going to continue to just elevate this like this was step one. Now I'm like a real like 20-point-per-game score. And next season, I'm going to take another step, and I'm going to be a 26-point-per-game score all the way up until he's like a star, superstar level. Don't know about all that. I think he's taking a tremendous leap. He is my uh most improved player of the year. I talked about that last episode when I was doing a, a midway season award show. But you know, I still would have my trepidations about calling him like, oh yeah, like that's a lock for a star in two years. We're gonna keep him. Honestly, while while things look really good and there's like a lot of starry eyes around Kobe White his value could be really good because what if he kind of plateaus at this point, you keep him for another year, two years. And then he just has two or three years of kind of putting up those numbers statically. Maybe his efficiency drops one of those seasons or whatnot. Um, and suddenly he goes from like, Oh wait, hang on. He's really, uh, he's really uh, surprising, promising to kind of back down to like, Oh yeah, he's nice. Um, again, it's sort of like the the whole thing about this uh, is, recognizing the window where you need to make these moves. Sometimes it might feel premature, but you've got to be able to, like, exercise a little bit of foresight to the best of your ability. Obviously, you can't predict things. Um, Maybe Kobe White explodes into a 30-point-per-game score. Who knows? Rooting for you, Kobe. But uh, you, you exercise a little bit of foresight in seeing, like, okay, from what I can tell, I would estimate he could probably get to around this point. 's got he's gonna probably max out a value around this point this is when we should maybe move on from him or something like that uh, try to trade him um but one of the damning things I think in this article is kardahov is just flat out saying we're going to the playoffs we're going to the playoffs and this is something I've never understood about the mentality behind NBA ownership. They look at their situation and they see a path to the playoffs, and that's it. That's like they're good. They're they're perfectly fine and dandy operating off of just that. Instead of sort of going, hey man, can you like can you push that thought a little bit further and go, Okay, so let's say everything goes right. Because again, everything would have to go as Karnasovas is like optimistically predicting for the bulls to even end up really in a playoff situation but then it's like and then what brother you know did you do all that to be a first round exit did you do all that to get swept to get gentlemen swept i think not so you know like sound it out with me buddy like i can only i can only bring you to the to the water i need you to drink it for me um and i just like i don't see how the bulls situation gets better by instead of being like a 10th, a 9th seed, they end up nabbing the 7th or 8th and then losing 5 in a first-round series to, like, the Bucks, Cavs, Knicks, Celtics, whatever allotment of it is. Um, I don't really see, like, utility in that. Yeah, sure, making the playoffs is super fun and uh, certainly more enjoyable and sells a lot more than uh, going home early as the 10th seed, but if if there's not like an actual path i don't see the point in making it to the playoffs just to make it unless it's like a really young team and they've never made the playoffs before and they're like okay we're just like we're just trying to make it if we can make it that just like is a marker of our progression the the bulls made the playoffs once it was in 2021 when they first put together this uh this this era of theirs and they really only made the playoffs riding off of being like the first second seed in the east through the first half of the season and then when lonzo went down and a few other things happened and they immediately started to fall off and have never really come back from that point that was the only year they made the playoffs because they still held as like the fifth or sixth seed that year um off of that work kind of like the nets being in the playoffs last year um at at least the seed they were the sixth seed based off of where like tidy uh KD KD and Kyrie had like left them off and then they were able to like hold that that sort of idea it's the only time they man it outside of that they've what they've gone to the play-ins twice they've gone to the play-ins and missed the play-ins once I mean what are we talking about here where is the utility can you point to like how making it to a first round and then being a first round exit improves the Bulls going forward I mean I, I don't it feels like a very like shallow Where are the immediate profits? Well, the immediate profits are in extending the Bulls season by getting them into the playoffs at the active detriment of making a lot of money in the future by actually just having a good fucking team. I don't really, I don't understand the uh, evaluation they've kind of gone through here. Um, And uh, yeah, it just seems incredibly frustrating for Bulls fans, especially I would know like if, if I was a Bulls fan. I don't want to be in the playoffs just to get knocked out if it's at the cost of having opportunities to have built something new or to just get started on a rebuilding path. Um, and one of my big questions kind of around this whole uh, thing is, is there going to end up being some rift within the ownership where, I mean, at some point, they're going to start losing seats. I mean, if they, if they go through this season... Let's say everything goes to plan. They make the playoffs. Arturis, you're not getting fired. Congrats. Like, it sounds kind of like he's staking uh, his his job. He went out of his way and was like, no, I want to stay on course. I'll accept uh, the failure if it doesn't happen. But it's like, let's say everything goes to a plan. You make it to the, you know, playoffs. You, you lose in the first round. And then, okay, we're now in the 2024 off season. Are you going to make any moves? Because... You weren't making moves when you weren't make, making the playoffs. I'm sh- I I'm sh- I shuddered to think what you might not do when you do make the playoffs. You know, um, so will there start to be some uh, some uh, divide within the ownership when at the start of the you know 2024 2025 season? Man, Bulls games are having a hard time selling uh, tickets because. No one wants to see this absolutely cooked product for the third, fourth year in a row, um, knowing how very predictably like the season will go with a lack of inaction from the front office. And then they uh start kind of looking at uh at Arturis and the the walls around him start shrinking um and he's outed. And then the bulls initiate some process of rebuilding and it's like, oh cool. Glad we delayed all of that for, like, three years just to do it in 2025. It feels very strange. Um, you know, I, I think it's it would be not a unreasonable thing for Bulls fans to kind of put some pressure on the front office. Um, I mean, I know you guys have already. I'm not trying to make it seem like you've just been standing idly by watching your favorite team get shafted by the front office. But to the point where you're, you know – not going to games you're not watching games you're not uh you know i'm not trying to tell people how to uh consume their favorite uh team or whatnot but this is pretty bad and it doesn't look like they really have much interest in putting the fans and the quality of the actual product first uh it doesn't seem like they're really looking long term in any obvious ways and uh, yeah it's a real shame i think they absolutely need to do better by both fans and uh yeah I'm pretty pissed off with the bulls right now. All right, so that was my uh my little uh rant about the bulls. Uh I hope they do something, Jesus. Um but as I mentioned that was sort of my one and only real segment for this episode uh which just sort of brings us into some departing notes. Uh it feels weird to be at this stage in the episode. Uh, this early on but I've just accidentally done three episodes with like a collective runtime of six hours accidentally so we're trying our best not to do that um first thing that I want to uh kind of just put out there into the hoops hour ether is I'm working on trying to get this to maybe being a two a week thing um I'm not sure it would be like an every every week two a week thing um at least like as it's going through that transition period of trying to get it to that, there's going to be hiccups. Times where um, I, I'm sorry, guys, I just wasn't able to uh, fill out an episode in, in time to have two or whatnot. Um, and you know, it's in general kind of hard to consistently come up with all these segments, um, or at least make sure I've done enough research or have like enough notes, or in general, just feel like I have enough to say about you know, a a topic uh, enough so to warrant having a segment, but um, I can also make the segments shorter or, um, and at the same time, be more mindful about keeping these episodes actually in and around an hour. Uh, That should certainly make the job a bit more easy. And admittedly, that part was pretty self-inflicted. So we're working on that. And um, if anybody's been uh, listening to this uh on on spotify uh shout out to you uh it's pretty cool to have it up there and um shout out to spotify for making it actually pretty easy to get a podcast on there i didn't know if i was gonna have to like pay to be part of like a subscription or some shit i was kind of uh dreading but no so uh that's really cool uh and it's pretty easy to like find and sift through so that's super fun and, uh, yeah, we're just gonna keep doing that, you know, uh, I'm just trying to, trying to build up the show and, uh, get it everywhere, or, or as, as much as possible for, uh, what I got right now. And, uh, yeah, before I end this episode off, I want to leave the audience with a, uh, a parting question. And, um, if you're listening to this, you can just, you know, think about it. Uh, you can come over to YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, listening to this on YouTube, I would love, uh, if anybody commented and gave me their thoughts, um, but anyways, since Joel Embiid is officially out of contention for end-of-year awards, specifically the MVP, who do y'all got? I'm wondering. Uh, I've been thinking about this over the past week, especially because I had that award show episode last uh, last week, and I did a lot of rambling and yapping in that one, and I had an idea prior, like who I was going to pick, but maybe didn't do the greatest job articulating my reasonings for. And also just in general, um, I've kind of reevaluated specifically the MVP one a lot because it really feels like um, after Embiid was kind of deemed like is officially going to be out, like, yeah, he's just missed too many games. It really feels like the conversation opened up in a way I wasn't expecting it to. Like, okay, once I'm not obviously going Embiid, oh shit, there's actually a lot of guys who have relatively pretty uh, comparable um, cases to each other, um, not so much when you have a guy like MB sort of running away with it, putting up unreal numbers, having a historic season, um, but you, you take that away, and there's a lot of guys who are actually way closer to being like neck and neck than I thought, so <coughs> the guys that I kind of think are in, in this conversation are uh, Jokic, Jokic. Um, Shea just alexander Luka, uh, Luka Doncic, and Giannis. Um, hell, you can even throw in Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson. Um, shout out to the Cavs. They're back down to the fourth seed right now, but they had made it all the way up to as much as the second seed. Um, same with the Knicks for a brief period of time. So um, that's really cool. And, I'm sorry. Uh, they are the the Cavs are the second seed. I was still stuck on looking at the fucking seedings from last season. Jesus. Um, I was looking. I was like, how the hell do the Cavs get to 51 games already? Anyways, uh, dumb guy alert. But yeah, they're the second seed. They've been the second seed for like a week and a half, two plus weeks now. So it's not like a a, a fluke in the math of the winning percentages uh, has them temporarily there or whatnot. Um, they've they've been incredible. They've won like. I don't even know what it is anymore, like, it feels like they've won, like, 20 of their last, like, 22 games, 17 of their last 19 games, 14 of their last 15 games, it was one of those at some point. Um, Granted, I think the Cavs' uh, schedule has been a little uh, soft during this time period, and they haven't faced necessarily the most uh, intensive competition for a lot of those wins, Um, however, it's not fair to say that without saying that the Cavs themselves are um decently under undermanned themselves and have been dealing with um injuries, guys in and out of the lineup. So all all in all, it's very impressive and uh similar with the Knicks. Absolutely hobbled, and Jalen Brunson is playing at beyond an all NBA uh level. I I believe so. Um he's scored uh, he had scored like 30 uh, in like eight or nine straight games at one point. Consistently, it feels like every game he's he's putting up like 33 now um, since like Julius and OG have been out. Um, so I feel like they deserved in some aspect to, uh, to be in this conversation. They are top four seeds in their conference. You know, if Jokic is in the conversation, Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell I think deserve to be in the conversation as well. Um, but uh, honestly – I'm going to say, it. I think at this point in time, I might have to go with Shea. Might have to go with SGA. Um, It's just to be so young and with a team that's so young and inexperienced and uh, jumped from a play-in team to a top two seed in one year, um, without anybody who's even arguably an all-star or all-NBA level uh, player, obviously, any OKC fans watching this, hang on, I'm, I'm calling, I'm calling timeout flag on the play before you guys get your pitchforks. Obviously, they have the talent that will likely become that. All right, Jalen Williams, Chet, they're gonna be all NBA guys. I believe that at least All Stars. Um, for for Jalen Williams, I think, yo, Jalen Williams might be better than Chet. I'm not gonna lie, the dude plays like a Kawhi, Paul George, Paul Pierce. Ooh, okay not paul not paul george i meant paul pierce um uh yeah jalen williams plays like a paul pierce kawhi leonard holy smokes that dude is good um so yeah they're gonna be that don't get me wrong however i don't think this season either of them have remotely a case over anybody who was selected so that's sort of just what i mean in terms of like accolades it, it's it's shea and then just some good role players it's you know it looks like as an exterior thing um so i think he's got a really really good case dude um i mean in in that vein you could say like okay well what about an anthony edwards but i think the timberwolves are way more victory by committee um and you know step up and i i've talked about like anthony edwards absolutely has the higher seeing ceiling will be the better player arguably just already is the better player than like cat Back when they were having equally good starts to their season, however, it really feels like uh, Anthony Edwards has ran away as the closer, as Kaz kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, It feels like let me make sure I'm not just talking about my ass with that one. Uh, It does feel like his he's not as uh, as potent, and it feels like it just feels like in the past 20, you know, whatever games, like Anthony Edwards is consistently being the one who's like putting teams away when, at least at the start of the season, it kind of felt like they were going back and forth. Um, I mean, it's hard to tell because Cat's efficiency this season has just been ridiculous, almost 52% from the field, 43.5% from uh, three. Um, He's been incredible, but 22.5 points versus Anthony Edwards is uh, 26, 26 and on uh, almost 39% from the field, or or from three, sorry, and uh, five and five uh, with a steal and a half and a half a block. Anyways, not about them, but I feel like the Timberwolves are just a bit more um, – uh, their their success is more defined by their well-roundedness. Um, they don't have that like guy-guy um, in terms of how they're playing right now, Anthony Edwards, for sure. Anthony Edwards very well, and I said it before, but Anthony Edwards will very, very likely be in the MVP uh, conversation as like an actual staple the way Shea is this season. Next season, I hope all those words strung together in a coherent uh, way. Like, Shea was sort of, like, on the outsides of, like, the conversation last season because it was like, hold it, hold up, this dude's suddenly averaging 30 and is an uh, all-NBA first-team guard. Do we give him MVP consideration? Like, he entered the the conversation on the outskirts last season, and now he's, like, cemented, like, top-five candidate all the way up to – you know what I'm calling right now. He might be my favorite. I think that's the same for Anthony Edwards this season. Anthony Edwards is really like okay. We're getting into those twenty-five five and five stats. I'm I'm closing games. I'm leading this team really uh, into the playoffs and perhaps even off uh, you know uh, at least a round se- uh, first round series win, etc. Next season when I come back and I start at this level instead of kind of building up to that uh I'm, i should be in a top five top six consideration for this award so i think i'm just going to hold out on him a little longer he's a bit younger as well anyway so uh but yeah shay just just doing it with such a young team at a at a second seed in this in the in this 2024 nba's western conference i mean it's brutal you have the timberwolves with 38 wins Thunder with thirty-seven, Clippers and Nuggets with thirty-six, Suns with thirty, uh, thirty-three, Pels with thirty-three, Mavs with thirty-two. I mean, they're so close together. A lot of these teams are either tied with the person above or below them, or a game to two games away from being huge leaps above. Um, it's just that close. Uh, and so through all of that to have fluctuated between the first and second seed as like low as at points like oh the third seed um it's just incredible um he shay shay gildress alexander is big time i don't really know what else to say um i know i've gone out of my way in in past episodes and and in videos too i think um saying that i think shay gets like a little bit overhyped um for not really having any postseason experience outside of a playing game um but regardless his numbers and the quality of play are unbelievable and hey mvp's a regular season award so i got no problem with that you know i've got no problem with that um he's like leading the league in steals he's an incredible ball handler clutch shot maker um excellent playmaker um yeah i'm saying um a lot because i'm just trying to like rattle off these things in my head of all the things Shea Gildas just alexander is amazing at and i hope that illustrated the point well, enough. So, yeah, with all that being said, I think I'm going to go ahead and, and call it there for episode eight of Hoops Hour. I was desperately trying to get to an hour, but oh well, Say vie. We'll, we'll, we'll have to live with the fact that this one was not quite. Um, and a refreshing change of pace, I suppose, to the uh, overwhelmingly long, overwhelmingly full Yap sessions that the past like three episodes have been. So, yeah, as I said, I'm going to work on getting this to be a bit more uniform consistent in like episode lengths um it's just sort of sometimes hard to like visualize um how long something is going to take or estimate rather visualize was not the right word for that um estimate how long like a segment is going to go unless I like sat there and recorded myself like reading out through my notes and like talking about things but that would be weird right so I'm not doing that and um yeah anyways uh we'll we'll get there it's a work in progress. I've been saying this from from episode 1 anyway. So, that can always be my uh, my my safety net of, "Hey, didn't like this? Well, bub, it's a work in progress. So, um, you know, take it up with someone else. Uh, no, do take it up with me. If you have suggestions, comments, complaints, concerns, quarries, qualms, um, let me know. I want to know these things. Uh I, I I want getting this podcast to being like as good as possible, um, a collective effort and in general it kind of needs to be cuz I don't know any uh, everything. I, I can't pretend to, I wouldn't want to. And I think if you're going to build like a good, um, show with a good audience and community around it, like it, it takes a village and a bit of collaboration. You can't just assume from the start, you know, everything. And, um, the content is going to be best, uh, th- through only your like editorial eyes. That's a huge thing as a journalist, um, or who went to journalism school, a uh, uh, Big thing is um having other eyes as an editor i i feel really uh strongly about my writing per se um but still nothing really compares to getting someone else um to give you their input uh even if you feel like you're a great like writer in this case or a great podcaster a great whatever um it never hurts to get some outside uh opinions and and uh you know, what, what, what they have, you know, helpful, constructive criticism, especially because I'm asking the audience, I'm asking you, you are who I'm trying to get to watch and enjoy this. So tell me what you think this needs kind of thing. And, um, so yeah, with that, I I think I've successfully yapped long enough that with the outro, this will be over an hour. So nah, I'd win. Um, and yeah, thank you all so much for watching. Um, this was a good one. I'm very excited about uh some upcoming stuff. Uh I <laughs> dude, okay. <laughs> I'm so bad at ending these things. You just watch like real if if you are watching on YouTube, you just watch like real time like a a neuron just like snap in my brain and everything go completely silent. I've never been good at outros. This extends to my writing and holy god it compounded as an awful attribute when it came to uh audio visual content as well i'm so bad at outros i need to like have a written down paragraph that i end with or something but anyways i hope you all enjoyed um take care i'll see you in the next one and yeah we're leaving it at that show's over